It's your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. A little bit of a later start on this morning's show because last night was a late night. Wanted to give you guys a chance to listen to that special edition Twins playoff podcast. Twins losing in four games to the Astros, including 3-2 to two last night at Target Field. Had a bunch of thoughts on that last night. I'll have a few more in just a minute. Um, Lavelli Neal III joined me on last night's bonus episode, so please give that a listen if you want more Twins content. Um, also do kind of a season wrap-up on the Twins on Friday's show, expecting to have Bobby Nightingale from the Star Tribune kind of look at the season as a whole, but also maybe spin forward to some of the looming roster decisions that this team has as it attempts to you know, not only get back to this point, but go beyond. On today's show, Chris Hine from the Star Tribune will join me here in just a few minutes to talk Timberwolves. That season, less than two weeks away from starting. Kind of a quiet offseason, a quiet training camp so far, but I think that's probably good for them, even if it's not as exciting for us. And some Vikings thoughts at the end. Kirk Cousins, I was out there for his session on Wednesday. It was a, it was a real ride. It was a real trip. Um, want to share a few things that he said about trade rumors and such at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? Like I said, um, going to start Twins. Just kind of some lingering thoughts from the season as a whole and how how we frame success, what that looks like, and kind of how it can look different depending on where you are on the journey. I kind of liken this Twins season to the year the Timberwolves had maybe a couple of years ago where they, they made the playoffs finally for the first time in a long time. They didn't win a playoff series like the Twins did this year, but they you know they got into the playoffs they had a really competitive series against memphis and that team turned out to be a lot of fun it wasn't a great team but it was a fun team i think the twins became a fun team this year they were not a fun watch early in the season but you know by july and august when they started to turn it on when royce lewis got here and really established himself as one of the big clubhouse leaders um, when some of the other rookies like Edward Julian and Matt Walner started to hit as the pitching solidified, as they kind of pulled away in the division and you realized, hey, it might not have been a great first half of the year, but this is a team with an opportunity because they are going to be division winners. This is going to be a chance. And then, of course, they do what they did against Toronto. They had a competitive series against Houston, but you can see that they're not quite there yet. And that reminds me again, like, like the Wolves were two years ago when they when they played Memphis in that series. So what does that mean? Why am I comparing them to the Wolves? Because it's a reminder that you can't just take for granted that there will be a gradual, linear success line upward. Wolves took a step back last season, still made the playoffs, but the year wasn't nearly as fun. Um, the things that they had, the chemistry from the year before, they weren't there. There was an injury to Carl Anthony Towns that derailed the season. A lot of things went wrong to set them back, to take to take them off the course. And so getting back to the playoffs, losing in the playoffs again, the way they got there didn't feel nearly as fun. So the Twins, their mission now isn't just, hey, that was a fun season, um, now what? There's, their mission now is how do we get better? What do we do to not only you know appreciate the year we had, but to, to get better, to get better in 2024 and beyond. 
I think they have the pieces in place, but they can't just kind of stand still. They can't say, "Okay, we've got guys coming up. We've got other, we've got other things that we can, you know, count on in, you know, in this um, in this organizational pipeline." They need to build on this, otherwise, it will start to feel different. You get back to the same point next season and losing the playoffs, it's not going to have that same feeling. Fans aren't going to be leaving Target Field on a you know on a on a cool but but you know very crisp but nice fall night after the final out saying man that was disappointing but wow that was a lot of fun too i think a lot of them would be saying okay now what um the the pressure starts to build as you have success as you you know as you build upon your seasons as you get back to that same point if you can't get further the wild have experienced this thing the vikings have experienced this in the past if you can't push it any further minnesota united experienced this if you can't push it any further the kind of exhilaration of just getting there wears off quickly. Can the Twins build on this season? That's what I that's what I want to see in 2024 and beyond. It feels like the, the division is going to be theirs for the taking for the foreseeable future, but can they build on what they've done right now and and go forward in 2024 and not get kind of stuck in this cycle of okay, we got this far, can't get any further. That's what I'm going to be watching for. I don't know if they can do it. I know some some things I think they need to do to get there. They still need to build on the pitching. They need to add some bats to the bats to the lineup. Those things are obvious, but I think they have some of those pieces in place. This is an important offseason though in not just getting back but going forward in the future. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's talk Timberwolves, my one of my favorite subjects on Daily Delivery and one of my favorite guests on Daily Delivery, Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, joins me right now. Um, Chris, how's it going? Things are going well, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you happy to have these guys back from Abu Dhabi? Because that was kind of weird. Like, they disappear for a week right after camp starts. I know. That was, that was different. Um, hadn't really experienced anything like that, but, you know... It's a long ramp up to the to the season anyway, so you know, getting a little break from each other a little early, maybe not the worst thing in the world. I suppose. I suppose they did. They performed well over there. I think you know, the Mavericks don't really look like they're in midseason form either right now. But they they Timberwolves won both of those games. The starters looked pretty good. Are there anything we can take away from? Obviously, two preseason games. You know several thousand miles away, but I guess you'd rather win those and look good than, than lose them and look bad. I think the the big takeaway is I, I compare it to where they were last year and the, the version of this team that was on the court uh, the other day compared to last year seemed significantly ahead of, of, of where they were a year ago. And I think that's the encouraging thing is that they seem to have kind of picked up where they left off from late in the season uh, maybe rolling over some of the things that they were doing well, some of the chemistry that they had found. And it's not its not as if it's a new team all over again trying to figure out how best to, to play with each other. It seems like they've, they've got some continuity 
uh, coming into the season that's that's going to really benefit them. I think that was that was for me just the overall big picture takeaway from those first two games. Well, and they had a lot of guys that played internationally this summer, and those guys seem pretty sharp right now. And I, I know there's that's kind of a two way street. Like it can be a negative if they're tired, but it seems like it's probably working in their favor right now. If you get guys in that have been playing that look like they're that look like they're in you know game shape already. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they seem to have escaped the, the the worst part of that, which is what happened last year when Rudy Gobert came in injured to training camp um, and needed to need some time to recuperate, which I think set them back, especially early in the season. But most, you know, everybody came back from those uh, experiences healthy. Um, like they said, you are they are in, in very good shape, like game ready shape, basically. Um and I think that's going to enable them to maybe get off to a quicker start than they did a season ago. Last year, I, I, you know, I remember talking to you before the season, and and we were kind of thinking like, you know, they'll have enough talent on the floor night to night to to win yeah. a decent number of games. That didn't really pan out because the chemistry issues were were so stark early in the season, and then Carl obviously got hurt in November. Um, but I do think that that scenario is shaping up more for this year where I think they're going to be ready from the start of the season. They're going to have a lot of talent on the floor on a nightly basis that, you know, again, you know, assuming health here that they will, they should win a decent number of regular season games. At least I, I, I tend to think they will. They made a few bold proclamations last year, at least kind of at the outset you had Carl, I think it was July of 22 or something saying, championship or bust. And I don't know if he was hundred percent serious about that, but the, the expectations were clear when they traded for Gobert. It was a big swing. Obviously that didn't work out the way they wanted to. They still obviously made the playoffs and, and at least got into another series. It feels like expectations both internally and externally maybe are a little bit more muted this season. How would you characterize, you know, what they think of themselves right now? I think they recognize that they have a lot of work to do and that they left a lot on the table last season. And that's through fault of their own. That's through some injury luck as well. Um, so I, I, I think you're right in, in the sense that well, they haven't really proven anything on a large scale. Yes, you know this, this franchise has made it to the playoffs now two years in a row. But you haven't won a playoff series. You know, you, so I think there's just a lot to prove internally and from people on the outside. Um, I think expectations outside for this team this year are, you know, t- to your point, uh, we were talking before the show, a little muted. I think a lot of people are in wait and see mode with this team. They want to see it work before they buy in. Um, so that's, that's kind of where they are. They, they, they have a lot to prove to themselves and to the basketball world at large and this fan base that, they're a serious team that can make a run. Um, and until they show those things, when the ball rolls out on October 25th, uh, it's all just kind of needless speculation and talk. I want to get into Carl Anthony Towns in a minute, but maybe we can start with Rudy Gobert, who you know was the centerpiece of last offseason. They traded for him. Did not have the year that they probably expected he would have or he expected he would have. I mean, let's not forget, this was a guy who was a two-time defensive player of the year, had been on the, on the first team all defense six consecutive years, I believe, before the trade. Didn't get a single vote for all defense last season with the Wolves. What's what's kind of the 
if we're looking at kind of the arc of his career, how much should we expect a rebound of Rudy Gobert to at least, you know, 90% of the level he was at at Utah versus how much of this should we be worried is the start of a, a player in decline who's getting older and maybe just isn't quite as springy and mobile and active as he once was? Good question. <laughs> I wish I had the wish I could peer into my crystal ball on that one and give you a good answer. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times, well, the NBA awards they're they're so tied to team success as well, and the Wolves were you know kind of underachieving for most of last season, so therefore it looks it's a bad reflection on, on Rudy. So I, I wouldn't really read into the voting for that too much because I tend to think those are driven more by narrative and team success than, than anything else, especially when it comes to the all defense team. Um, as for Rudy and, you know, is he going to keep declining? Will he have a bounce back season? That's one of the largest questions of the off season. It, it, it really is. I mean, he's, you know, what is he 30 now? I believe uh, entering his age 30 season um, you know, big men tend to fall off a little quicker in their careers than, you know, guards and forwards do. The, the, the decline tends to happen more in the early 30s than, say, mid 30s. So, you know, Rudy professed to have, you know, before the, before last offseason, he was going to have said he was going to have one of his best offseasons ever, if not the best. Um, you know, I hope to get the chance to talk to him uh, about that uh, in coming days here. And, you know, I do think that entering year two, whether or not Rudy himself is better, I think that the team around him will be better equipped to play with him and play to his strengths. And I think that's important yeah. for no matter, no matter how Rudy may look. I think, I think you have a, a better point guard fit with Mike Conley for around sure. him. Who yeah. knows who knows how to play with him. I think Anthony Edwards is going to get better at that. Jaden McDaniels, I, I thought even sh- towards the end of last season, one of the sneaky things that I thought was happening was that Jaden was developing some chemistry with Rudy on, even on the offensive end. Um, like I, I think you saw little glimpses of this team really learning how to play with Rudy Gobert and play to his strengths on both ends of the floor. So I think that's that's something that I think can make fans optimistic coming into year two of this of this quote unquote experiment. Gobert turned thirty one, <laughs> by the way, in June. So you know, still okay. not thirty thirty and thirty one, not a huge difference. But you know, to, as we kind of tick 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 the years, you know, thirty two, thirty three, thirty four on that contract, it is something that probably does bear watching. Um, you know, the pairing of him and Towns was such a big storyline last year. Then Towns gets hurt. Towns has a lot to say in the offseason on a lot of podcasts, not this one, but a lot of podcasts. And so far in camp, you've noted it. I've noted it. He's been really quiet. His answers are kind of short. He's not, I don't think he's angry or anything. I just think he's kind of a little bit more, uh, a little bit, a little bit more subdued maybe than he often is. What, what do we, what, without reading too much into it, what have you noticed about that? And do you make anything of that? It's it's interesting because and this happens in the course of a, of a long season. Sometimes you know a, a star player, especially somebody who talks to the media as much as Carl does, um, you know they just have nights where they're just not as talkative or not as uh, uh, you know verbose in their in their in their answers. Um, 
but this is the second time we chatted with Carl this this preseason, and he, both times he kind of had the same sort of demeanor, um, you know. And when he asked, or when somebody asked him, you know, you know, what's kind of what's up with that, he just said, "Oh, just you know, not much to say. Just gotta take care of business, essentially, or something like that." So maybe it's the an outward projection of he means business this season, you know, trying to take the off season seriously, take training camp seriously. Maybe there's a little bit of that in there. Maybe there's a little bit of, he's a little more guarded after, you know, some of the backlash he received from his podcast remarks. Um, maybe it's a combination of everything. Um, you know, a lot of trade chatter in the off season as well. Um, you know, maybe he's reacting to some of that. I, I don't, I don't know for sure, for sure. Um, but, you know, I, 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 we'll see if it keeps up. I tend to, I tend to think that the moment he scores thirty in a, in a nice win, that that's going to go, <laughs> that's going right. to go away. Um, uh, but we'll see. Um, I, I, you know, we'll probably talk to him again in the next couple of days here, and and we'll see if he's in a different frame of mind. Less than fifty percent of that trade chatter came from me, by the way. So, you know. <laughs> You made up for what, like forty percent of it? I think it was like know, 40, 45 percent, yeah, something like yeah. that. Just, just that, yeah. and you know. But that, you know, that, that joking aside, I mean, there was a lot of that chat, or at least in the early off season, as you're kind of wondering about the fit of those two, as you're looking at the looming kind of payroll situation, luxury tax situation that that they're going to be staring at in a year. Nothing obviously comes to fruition, and a lot of that chatter died down pretty quickly. And it was a pretty quiet, normal off season, especially by. Wolves standards really as we enter this you know this regular season here in a couple of weeks a lot of the questions are basketball questions and you know one of the ones that is probably the most interesting is like what what does the rotation look like how they've got a lot of interesting pieces we can pretty easily identify the starting five but what's what's the what's the nine or ten you know if Finch if Chris Finch goes with nine say as his ideal rotation how do we think that shakes out once October twenty fifth in Toronto rolls around I think. I think it's kind of locked in. If, if if he sticks to nine, I think it's locked in who those nine guys are. Assuming everybody is healthy, you you have uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who started the other two games or started the two games when Anthony Edwards was out and when Jaden McDaniels was out. Uh, he stepped into the starting lineup, which I think just kind of shows you how much they value him and the the kind of the hot end to the season he had stepping in for, for Jaden. Um, Kyle Anderson, very important part of what they did last year. Multi- guy who play, can play multiple positions, can handle the ball, sound defender, um, kind of a glue guy out there on the floor. He's going to be playing significant minutes. Nas Reed, wh- who has proven that he can play in a too big uh, lineup, who played so well that they couldn't really take him off the floor. Uh, last year, he basically bullied his way, played his way into minutes last season. Um, so he's in the rotation. And then I think the ninth guy is Shake Milton, who is your backup point guard, even though he's more of a combo guard. He's going to get the backup point guard minutes. Um, and I think they have high hopes for what he can be offensively and what he can be scoring-wise for them. I think they see more potential than what he had or what he showed in Philadelphia uh, in terms of his ability to shoot and score. So those would be the the bench guys um, with, you know, like a Troy Brown lurking as that 10th guy if they need to go to, if they need to go to 10 
or if they want to go to 10 or if there's an injury uh, that, that moves people up the, up the rotation. So those would be the nine guys with kind of Troy Brown as that, as that 10th, I would say right now. That's fairly deep. I mean, if you talk about the starters with obviously Edwards, McDaniels, Conley, Cad uh, and Rudy, that's, that's a, that's a, formidable starting five and a good first four or five off the bench and even some some depth to spare it does feel like this is one of the deeper teams they've they've been able to put out there again of course injuries notwithstanding Mm -hmm. it it does feel it does feel very deep and you know there's a you know there's contingents out there on the internet you know that want like you know more minutes for guys like josh minot and you know, to play some of the younger guys. I think it's it's assuming everybody's healthy. You have a really really solid group that's just ahead of those younger guys um, right now. So, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it is a very is a very deep team right now, and I think it's the depth at each position is also fairly good as well. You know, Shake Milton kind of solves some of the some of the point guard issues that they, that they had, everybody was kind of wondering, do they have a number a backup point guard? Yeah. The thing is, you know, when you have guys like Kyle Anderson and like even Ant uh, that might be able to take over ball handling duties for a couple minutes a night, um, you know, the need to have a backup point guard, a true backup point guard is not as immediate, I would say. So I think they're, I think they're well positioned up and down the, up and down the rotation right now with with what they have with what they're able to to trot out on a nightly basis. So who needs mid to late first round draft picks? That's what you're saying. <laughs> they wouldn't even be able well, to play. They're not even going to make the roster if they have all the go bear picks, right? <laughs> I mean, listen, we're talking about a looming salary cap crunch, right? Yes, and yes, yes. What's the what's the best way to you know, help yourself around a salary cap crunch, have guys on rookie contracts who can play, um, which is why maybe you saw them get two second round picks last year as opposed to one. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, those first round picks would still be valuable. Yes. Yeah, they, they would. And I, and I think that, you know, I think that's a good way of saying too, that guys like Josh Minot, guys that they drafted in the second round last year, like there will be, you know, Wendell Moore, even there, there will be, the potential for opportunity for them in coming years where they won't have the luxury of these kind of six to $8 million guys. They will, that, that will not be a reality when, when everybody starts hitting the books in a, in a more serious way, unless something else shakes out. Correct. Correct. You get, you're going to need those guys on those cheap contracts, those rookie level deals, the second round type of deals. Um, so you hope uh, if you're the wolves that you're hitting on guys like Minot, Leonard Miller, Jalen Clark, uh, and Wendell Moore, who will be, you know, their year is not this year, but you know, after next off season, you know, I think there's going to be a lot up up in the air and up for grabs, maybe in terms of in terms of spots in the rotation and minutes. Final thought here for you, Chris Hine. I think they established a floor last year. I, I don't, I can't. I'm having a hard time imagining them being worse than they were last year, and their worst was still enough to get into the play-in and then ultimately into the playoffs, not what they wanted. But if that is established as a likely floor, even if the West has maybe improved a little bit, what's then the ceiling for this team? How, how, what, what's the, you know, what's the, the realistic high expectation for this team? 
for the regular season or for the playoffs or, yeah, or both. both? Kind of both because it kind of goes hand in hand. Because you, you regular you know, you, season, yeah. Well, I, I, I actually, th- I don't know if it goes hand in hand. I think, I think they could be a really good regular season team, but okay. if, but not a great playoff team if that okay. makes sense. Sure. Um, so I, I think, I think they could have top four potential in the regular season, maybe even as high as like the three seed. Okay. You know, like. Um, depending on how some of these other teams play out in the West, um, especially as it pertains to how much, you know, some of the stars are going to play for some of these teams, yeah. like LeBron, AD, Kevin Durant, yeah. um, you know, looking around the league, I, I, I would expect Denver to be number one again. Um, uh, I would expect Sacramento to also be up there in the top four, like they were a year ago, but beyond those two teams right now, I have just a lot of questions about like some of the, some of the, you know, more veteran laden star teams of the West, because it's how, or how much are those guys going to stay healthy and how much are they going to play? Like the Clippers and the Suns and the Lakers and the Warriors. It's, it's like, yeah, those teams. And that's why I think in the playoffs, it's a different story because those teams are going to be, gearing their regular seasons to be ready for april so the wolves if they can stay healthy during the regular season might be able to kind of navigate their way through the schedule where they're knocking off those teams or winning more games than those teams are on a weekly basis and i could see them getting to the three or four seed you know yeah in, in that way but you know they might run into a playoff matchup where they're the four seed and they play the five seed lakers yeah, who, or the Suns you know, or something who, like that. Yeah. Or the Suns or somebody like that who are at full strength come yeah. April 15th or whatever it is. And, you know, they lose in the first round potentially because they just draw a bad matchup or something like that. So yeah. that, I, I, can, I can see a scenario where that plays out where it's like they finish top four te- a top four team in the West, but, you know, could be out in the first round again because some, you know, star laden team is is ready come come that for that first round playoff series. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, the NBA used to fall pretty strictly according to seed. I mean, there'd be some like 3-6 or 4-5 upsets, but now it's going to the seeding almost doesn't matter. It, what matters is who's healthy and are your three stars ready to play come playoff time. Well, that that's exactly it. Are you are you ready to play? Are are you is everybody healthy and ready to play in the middle of April? And, and as these stars get older, that's going to be yep. more and more of a question. Um, we, we've seen now when the Lakers have both he- a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis the last couple of years, they, they won the title in the bubble. They made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. The years where those guys weren't healthy in the playoffs, they were out. Yeah, in the play-in or the first round, whatever. Yep. Um, you know, or they didn't even make. Or the they didn't playoffs. make it one year. Yeah, a couple. Oh, of they didn't ago. make it, right? Yeah. So that to me is like you just look at look at what's happened with the Lakers, and that's exactly what could happen to some of these teams if they yeah. don't if they're not healthy by the time April rolls around. Well, it'll be interesting. We thought last year would be interesting, and Chris, it was interesting, but maybe not in the way they had <laughs> hoped it would be. Um. Yeah, I, I, maybe wait and see mode is is the right mode to be in with this team, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll see what they've got in a couple of weeks and see if they can have a more mature and focused start to the season and kind of you know you can't lose to all those bad teams again. That that's one thing they got to fix. That's that's absolutely right, and that's one of the things that 
they have to prove that they've learned from um, and that, you know, all that they can talk all they want about how much they've learned and that's not going to happen. But until, (laughs) until they're in, you know, Detroit on a Tuesday night in January, um, you know, and pulling off a 20 point win, we'll, we'll see until that actually happens. Yeah. Well, until that happens, we'll, we'll see, uh, Chris Hine appreciate it. I probably won't bug you again until right around October 25th. And then we'll, uh, maybe we'll do this again and catch up on what, uh, what really looks like the roster and the, the kind of the projection going into the year. But, uh, until then, appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thanks Mike. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Chris. You know, I talked a lot in the intro about the twins and can I take, can they take that step forward? Here's the Wolves now trying to get back to the playoffs, but trying to exceed what they've done so far. I don't think fans would be anywhere near satisfied with a year similar to last season where they, you know, grinded their way to a playoff berth, but got, you know, got pretty well dispatched quickly in the first round. That won't cut it anymore. Can they take a step forward? Can they come together in a certain way or will this roster need an overhaul after this year for them to achieve that that all starts october 25th and you know these seasons they come fast and furious the twins are done but right here wild starts tonight wolves in less than two weeks the calendar keeps flipping the vikings are right in that mix too and that brings me to the cooler kirk cousins on wednesday asked point blank i think it was by kevin seifert of espn asked point blank if he pays any attention to the trade rumors and would he waive his no trade clause this year if there was indeed a trade in the works you know i'm just very focused on the bears and going one and all this week and anything else is just not worth my time or energy or attention now that answer opened up another line of questioning a little bit later on as to you know how does he manage to avoid things or how does he stay away from you know compartmentalize I guess the season ahead and not get kind of caught up in rumors and I think I think this was pretty interesting his thoughts on that you know ignorance is bliss and I'm just really ignorant <laughs> uh, I don't really have access to a whole lot and I try to do that by design so it's pretty intentional and. Uh, Aside from high school friends who may text me uh, what they're reading, and I'll text them back, and I prefer to remain ignorant, you know, so I would appreciate not getting text. Aside from that, I really don't know what's going on. Um, I've been insulated at times to the point of being naive and a little stupid, but I'd rather err on that side than consuming everything and just, you know, having to, again, it takes your focus away from what is important and what will help you play well, and so that's kind of how I wanted to do it. And that goes against his very nature as a quarterback, where he wants as much information as possible. He's a film studier. He's kind of you know locked into his process. When it comes to the you know the process of information from the outside, he wants as little of it as possible. But I'm sure that is a challenge, especially in this modern world of social media information at your fingertips. He said he even tried to get a flip phone a few years ago because Andrew Luck had done the same thing. That only lasted a few days because he got tired of it, bored of it. He wanted his smartphone back, but he's decreased the number of kind of apps on his smartphone, really tries to keep the noise out. And that's probably important this time of year. I'm sure some of it filters to him. I don't really believe him that he doesn't even know what's out there. I'm sure some of it filters down to him. But if you are a quarterback of a one in four team, you are probably better off blind putting on, putting on the blinders, locking all that out and trying to get your team into better shape instead of worrying about what might happen next. 
That will do it for me today. I know what happens next Friday. Bobby Nightingale, like I said, will be on with me to talk twins, kind of put a bow on this season and look forward to next year. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. See you tomorrow.